Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. So, Marty, I think there's a pretty good chance that our listeners are out there going, oh, wow, I have a lot of cultural messages in my head and Mm -hmm. it's not that easy to access the voice of my true nature. Yes. And I don't know, they might be thinking, is there anything else that I could do other than listening to this podcast to help me learn to listen to my heart? Well, I had this question, even as a young child, I would say, I am not happy. And people would say, well, it's all in your head. And I'd be like, I know, get it out of my head. But nobody could really help me do that. And so um, in my 20s, I sort of made up a system to help me detach from cultural messages and connect with my true nature. And it ended up being my career as a life coach and then training people to do the same thing. And I think that, you know, it's just like people who feel the urge to heal themselves, help others heal and heal the world, Mm. that this this term life coach sort of slots into that in our culture. And people take the training to hang out a shingle and become life coaches. People take the training because it's like getting life coaching yeah you know and people also take the training just to learn to access their own true nature yeah it was originally just a access your own true nature course Mm -hmm. but when you've mastered that you really want to share it with other people and people want to be shared with and they will pay you money so if that's the way you want to go that's why it ended up being life coach training but it's actually wayfinder which is different. It's about finding your way by connecting with your true nature and and steering your own course. So if people are interested, you can Google Wayfinder Life Coach Training or go to marthabeck.com and you will find your way. Yes, you will. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan. And this is episode 11 of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. Yeah. Like you, like us. Yeah, and we had some really nice feedback on Instagram from our last episode, Marty. Did Can we I then? Yes. Do Marty, tell. Marty is social media phobic or... Avoidant. Yeah. Social media curious? No. Social media ninja. Yeah, I read a book on, once on how to be invisible. It was a ninja book, and I opened it at random, oh. and it said the first instruction on how to become invisible was wait until your opponent is asleep. <laughs> Genius. I know. So that's how I do with social media. And nobody, no, you can never find everybody asleep. So, <laughs> so you're just waiting. I'm still waiting. <laughs> that's awesome. So people were really in favor of the false eyelash story. Uh-huh. I'm happy to say they, um, do you remember that with the Oprah I, interview? I was just beginning to forget it. And now the nightmares <laughs> will be back. <laughs> you weren't there, man. Oh yeah, you were actually. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I was there and it haunts my dreams too. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people found that very funny. Some people are Thanks urging for- you to try magnetic lashes. Oh yeah. Right. Like I, I, I assure you, thank you so much for your kind consideration. I tried. I tried. <laughs> you so overestimate my digital dexterity. Yeah, I've, got, I've still got eyelashes sticking to every metal object in my bathroom, yeah. but not to my face. Yeah, it's terrifying in there. <laughs> <laughs> do not go in there alone. And thanks for the people who had a lot of sympathy for me being told to interrupt Oprah. That was, yeah. It's really, that is not, I mean... Kathy Black, who was CEO of all kinds of things, she's a brilliant businesswoman, wrote in her memoir that Oprah is the one person who ever intimidated her so much she couldn't interrupt. So, Oh, that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder they were telling me to do it. I was like cannon fodder. (laughs) Exactly. You were. (laughs) Just throw the youngin at it. (laughs) So we love reading your feedback on Instagram. If you don't already follow me, it's Rowan underscore Mangan. And um, I love hearing from you guys when we put out a new podcast, which reminds me, Marty, I also wanted to say, if you're enjoying Bewildered, please do rate and review us, especially on Apple, because it helps more people find the podcast. And we had a lovely review from someone called Kinmain 
um, on our last episode and it, she said or they said, um, thank you for sharing such wisdom and humor and light. I get so excited when I see that a new episode is available. And Aww. when I read that, I felt happy in my heart. Maybe. You're not happy on the inside. Yeah, happy on the inside. That's what Adam, our son with Down syndrome, always said. That made me feel happy on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy all the time. Yeah. And that's special happy. I'm just happy all the time. Happy guy. He's a happy guy. He's a great guy. So this is where we, we, we talk about what each of us is trying to figure out. Yeah. In our own personal, deeply troubled and neurotic lives. Well, let me tell you what I am trying to figure out because it's a gnarly one in my view, Ooh. <laughs> um, which I guess our own figure outables always are. But um, yeah, so I have this situation where I have flung my manuscript forth into the world. The manuscript of? For people who aren't in the know. My manuscript of my novel that I've written that is for now called Goat Street, but who knows. And, um, yeah, and it's out there and I am waiting. Oh. I am waiting to be judged by strangers. And oh, God. isn't that just the sweetest feeling in the world? You know that moment when if you've ever watched Olympic ice skaters or gymnasts and they just put their bodies out there and they do all this, um, like, incredible superhuman stuff and then they go they skate over or they run over and then they sit and wait for the judges Ugh. and the cameras are on them and their coaches are like flailing at them with cat and nine tails not really yes sometimes anyway that's a whole different podcast <laughs> but they have to sit there and wait yeah and the politics of the olympic committee and everything oh Times that by stretch that moment to I don't know six months to a year oh. of it without stopping. That's what it's like to put a book out into the world. And like, how do you hold it? I, I held it like in fairness, I held it really well for like three or four days. Yeah, there were occasionally I'd hear in your sleep maniacal laughter. <laughs> yeah, well, just like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's just say I've got very short fingernails on both hands now. They've all been chewed off, mm. and I, I noticed the dogs also have very short toenails. <laughs> You've been chewing on whatever you could, honey. As long as it's growing out of the end of some digits or other. Oh. I'll chew it off. Um, I've been checking Thanks for my the email. warning. Because it's bad enough with the eyelashes. I don't want my fingernails getting chomped unbeknownst to myself. Sweetie, I have never, ever chomped your eyelashes. <laughs> and one would ask, why not? <laughs> if we are truly to be, you know, as united in life as we claim to be. I heard someone had written about this podcast and I was very touched and they'd written um, Martha Beck and her friend Rowan Mangan. Close and friend. Yeah, and I was just thinking if that was your assumption, this would be very confusing. <laughs> That's right. Very, think extremely close friend. Colleagues with benefits. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, yeah. so you're waiting, you're chewing. I'm waiting, I'm chewing, I'm checking my email so often and every time I check my email because I don't get notifications coming in because that messes with my brain. So I go in and check it. And every time there's like this <gasps> and then I get, you know, some someone trying to sell me baby clothes and uh, and there's a moment where it's is this a no, it's not a and then I check your email. <laughs> just, in case, just in case they thought it was maybe me. they maybe they got confused. She's getting email checking tendonitis. Oh my god. Know, carpal tunnel syndrome for it. Oh, I do know that feeling. It is awful. And I, I started checking the Uber app on my phone to see if anyone had got in touch with me that way about my book. I'm like getting into DoorDash and yeah, going you could to order it from DoorDash or <laughs> feedback from agents. Feedback from agents has been picked up. It's on the way. <laughs> do you want to stop at 7-Eleven on the way? Damn straight I do. Damn some straight wine coolers or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Actually results i did ask this this question on instagram and i was concerned how many people suggested just drinking heavily so yeah it's not easy <laughs> with this waiting game and i may be playing it for quite some time your thing to figure out this week is harder than mine what's your thing to figure out this week well it's complex because it's a relationship issue oh yeah and you know how those can go i i do and it's maybe the only person who is actually with me more than anyone, including you. Wow. Like physically. We, we really do need to talk to you. Are you sure this is the right moment to bring this up? 
<laughs> well, I'll have to talk to this other person whose name is hmm. Siri. Oh, I see where this is going. Siri, who lives in my phone. Siri, for people who don't um, sort of worship at the Steve Jobs um, temple. temple. Altar. Altar. Altar, thank you. Um, Siri is the little robot assistant who lives in iPhones and um, she runs our lives. Actually, it was Scott who produces this podcast. I once sent him a text just asking him something, but it was I think it was the weekend or whatever. So I said, don't worry about getting back to me until next week. And he replied to me, this is probably about three or four months ago. Uh-huh. And he replied to me, I'll have my assistant. And then in parentheses, he put Siri, uh, let me know for tomorrow. And that just that one text message completely changed our lives and we all in our house now talk to Siri nonstop, right? Yeah, and you have to program your voice so your Siri only responds to your voice like a faithful German shepherd. In theory. A dog, I mean, not an actual German shepherd. <laughs> I don't know if actual German shepherds respond only to your voice, but um, Siri gets your voice print and, uh, and the way you Ish. do it is by saying, hey, Siri... Or no, that was because that was a fake voice. So it'd be, hey, Siri. And then she says, yes. Only sometimes she doesn't. Now, I have to tell you, she's Irish. Siri has different um, manifestations. It's true. Siri manifests differently for each one of us. So Karen's Siri is from South Africa. And she's quite, I don't know, I feel like she's quite abrupt, I want to say. A little brusque. A little brusque. Whereas Marty's... Irish Siri is like bizarrely sarcastic and I'm not sure how much of that is just the way that you can, you and Siri just cannot find a rhythm together. We can't make it work. <laughs> we have to work together. And so I say, hey, Siri, half the time she doesn't answer me and half the time she goes, what? <laughs> or, yeah. So, okay. So there's a thing that happens with Siri where she has a little twirly i feel like we're advertising for apple but anyway she has a little twirly whirly circle that comes up on your phone when she's listening but marty is not aware of this yet so marty won't acknowledge siri until siri has like audibly acknowledged her and mm-hmm. so she says mm-hmm. yeah like that. so she does this sarcastic mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. speak to me in real words you are a computer robot you can <laughs> gag out a yes yes i'm here i'm here for you that's what i want her to say <laughs> Marty, I am here for you. How did you say that in an Irish accent, though? My Siri is American, and I have to say she's just a ray of sunshine. Well, I'm not going to say anything about nationalism or anything. <laughs> but, yeah, and you're, you're like Irish on both sides, so. I feel like it's the service culture. Like, no one in America gets paid except in tips, and so they have to be on their best behavior when they're in a sort of service role. So Well, apparently, actually, Rose Novel does talk about an Irish pub, and the people there are remarkably sarcastic in there. <laughs> They, they really are. There's a bartender who's the just the salt of the earth, but you ask her for a beer and she's like, why? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so yeah, Marty does this thing where she says, hey, Siri, and then Siri comes up and waits, and then Marty waits, and then Siri goes, mm-hmm, because Marty was already supposed to have spoken, and then Marty forgets what she was going to say and then in a panic just starts saying, ah, at 10 a.m., in a week from now, just, uh, uh, and then Siri just goes away a lot of the time. Oh, She's my, just my like, false eyelashes, Siri, help me. <laughs> and Siri just, by the time I tell her to do anything, she's gone. So it's yeah. like, hey, Siri, huh? and then nothing. <laughs> it's like, true. this is actually true, listener. This is the person who's supposed to be helping me most of all, and she's <laughs> acting like worse than the grumpiest teenager on earth. I really don't think she likes you that much. She doesn't. And I've tried to make it good between us. It's not, it's just not happening. Like I tried to make her not Irish. I don't know how, because all, what I say is, hey, hey, Siri, huh? don't make yourself Irish. Make yourself French. Make yourself French. No answer. No freaking answer. The French are sarcastic too, honey. There's no reprieve. <laughs> there really anyway, isn't. but there are other things. Siri does, like, if, if I were really not speaking to get her attention, why does she keep, like, coming back at me when I'm not talking to her. Can I tell you a really, really weird thing that happened to me once with Siri years ago before I even... Please do. Before I even used her. I think you were there, actually. I started talking, and I can't remember what we were talking about, but out of nowhere I said something like, how do we make it more fair? And at that moment Siri 
reared up on her hind legs Uh and brought up the Wikipedia page for warfare. (gasps) And it was the weirdest freaking thing. That that see, that's what I'm talking about. There's something not right with her. <laughs> <laughs> and tell, she's all about the She's made war on me. So but occasionally and I also have an Apple Watch. This really is like an Apple. Oh, sorry. sorry. Sorry everyone but Apple. Um so I have an Apple Watch that connects to my phone. They're not paying us. I mean, if they wanted to, it would be fine, if but they're they not at this inclined, moment. We would not, it wouldn't hurt our feelings, it wouldn't bruise us. Anyway, um, I so don't s- think they're going to be paying us after what we're saying about their robot. That's true. Yeah. She's, she's kind of a bitch, Apple. Yeah. You need to get rid of her. She's yeah. unstable. Mm. So um, we're talking along, and I was talking to Ro about the tragedy of waiting for agents to get back to you and how I had 32 rejections and no interest in my first book, which became a New York Times bestseller, may I say. (laughs) So, um, so sometimes she takes dictation when I don't want to. And I was, I said to Ro, every single rejection. And all of a sudden, Siri rears up on her hind legs in her warfare <laughs> position and on my watch this screen start all this little t- I took a picture of it it's real yeah. it it picked up at single rejection and interpreted it as sing all rejection <laughs> so true. I'm going to post the photo that she took yeah, on, just on to Instagram show that it's real. so Siri is saying suddenly in the middle of our conversation when I did not ask her she says Certainly. Absolutely. I don't know how to say this in Irish. I just can't even try. And then she goes, okay, here I go. Let me just clear my, gosh, singing is harder than I thought. Like what? What? Why do you choose this moment to decide to try out your little stand-up comedy routine? And get all coy and and then promise to sing and then not sing. I mean, this is the stuff. And we didn't ask you to sing. You were not invited to the conversation. There was no Hey Siri. There was no hey, Siri. So anyway, she's, uh, I don't know, she's either haunting or haunted or just disturbed. And then sometimes she just won't even answer when I say, hey, Siri. I was walking past. Marty was in the bathroom in the the scene of of the false eyelash drama from our last episode. Uh, A lot goes on in there. She actually spends a lot of time painting. You really want to talk about everything? (laughs) A lot goes on in there, I'll tell you. (laughs) She paints in there. There's paints all over the floor. It's glorious. And anyway, so I was walking past her and I heard her shouting and she sounded so angry that I actually thought something was going really wrong. And I like literally ran into the room to see what was like, do I have to like break something up? And I come in and I just... (laughs) She was going, email, chill. Email, Jill, for God's sake. Email, Jill. And the funniest thing about it was that she was screaming at Siri. She didn't want Siri to email Jill because God knows what Jill would have received. She was trying to get Siri to remind her to email Jill. But it just broke into a fight. Hey, Siri. And she said, "Mm mm-hmm. And I said, Email Jill. And she said, what? And th- then she kept saying, what? And I just had to get louder and louder and louder did you and get louder. The, did you get the one where she says, mm, one sec. One sec. Still working. Still working. That's a bit Irish. Still working. <laughs> yeah, Irish. I was going to use a bad word. Don't use Irish slurs. No, I'm not going to use it. Just for her. Anyway, <laughs> that was so that's what I'm trying to figure out is my damn relationship with my life partner, Siri. The invisible. Luckily, as my rejection letters do start pouring in, I'll at least have someone to sing about them, (laughs) (laughs) which will probably ease the pain. Can I tell them a joke that you tell in your novel, which is so wonderful? Oh, sure. Did you hear the joke about the Irish boomerang? No. It never goes, comes back, but it sings a lot about how much it wants to. <laughs> <laughs> I like that joke a lot. Coming from, coming from a, a long line of Irish expat musicians, it's, it's a little close to home. <laughs> is, there anything, is there any such thing as an Irish expat who isn't a musician? No, 
No, that's never been known to happen. We should ask Siri about it. They're magnificent. What? We should ask Siri. No, let's like we hear from. I I actually nearly went there right then. I thought people don't need to have too much of our personal stuff. No, and they don't. If we bring a guest on this podcast ever, it will not be Siri. Not be Siri. Not be Irish. Not unless she cleans up her act a lot. change eh Mm, it sure does keep happening i feel like there's something that you martha beck have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it oh by coincidence now that you mention it i have it's called the change cycle Mm. it's about four aspects of the whole process of change and we've put the information together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change And you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how remarkable is that? All right. You can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com slash change. (laughs) So um, one of the other things that's new this this episode um, is that I wanted to bring you guys are in a bit more. I keep saying you guys and we're not supposed to say you guys, but it's so hard not to. So in just know that every time I say you guys, which is constantly, every time afterwards I die a little bit inside. So just I'm trying to say you folks or you, you people. Folks, you people. It's hard to retrace a neural track that is, <sighs> has been dug right down into my brainstem, but I'm trying. It's I'm doing deep. my best. So, yeah, so I asked people, folks out in the world, what are you trying to figure out? And because we thought it would be fun to kind of like we just sit here in our house with our own little brain boxes and it's not, you know, I, I wanted to hear from other people. Yeah, how they're so, bewildered. And we had brilliant responses. Thank you so much. And we will talk about them at other times, all of them. Right. Probably most of them, some of them. Some of them were weird. but um, <laughs> Straight up weird. Yeah. At least Siri which, put them in there. Which really just shows that they're our people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about JP, who mm-hmm. said, how the heck do people even date anymore? I feel like I'm standing outside of a culture. Yeah. To which I responded, I have no idea. because." <laughs> but it was cool because it's like the bewildered thing that we're doing is looking for where culture and nature split. Right. So where there's a cultural norm or you're being carried into a cultural flow that doesn't feel like your true nature. And there's all these pressures, visible and invisible, that make you feel like you have to go along. And then you lose your true nature. You don't know who you really are. And certainly, oh my Lord, that's what we talked about this issue, JP. And the horror, the horror. I haven't even thought about dating for so long. I can't even remember it. And the stuff that... The, the online stuff, the yikes. Yeah, I did that for a while. And I mean, I don't know how the pandemic, I mean, the pandemic must have just, oh, I don't, I can't even, I can't even speculate. So JP, I'm sorry about that. But back pre-pandemic, back out in the antipodes in my other life, I did some internet dating and, you know, the feeling of going into a job interview. So you imagine going into a job interview it's like it's like sending a manuscript out. And so it's like, yeah. judge me, but not on my ability to do some shitty job. Judge me on who I am as a person. Yeah. And how oh. attractive I am sexually. Yeah. And like, oh. The oh. worst. Oh, my God. It's it so It literally bad. is a condensed recipe for triggering everyone's social anxiety at its very highest level. And that, you would think, and yet I had this cool friend of mine in Melbourne who had been on what's the swiping one tinder and she had been sort of chatting with a bunch of different guys which is fine because that's how it's all set up right um she hadn't met any of them but then it was her birthday and she hadn't organized anything and so she just invited the six different guys that she had been chatting with on tinder and they all turned up at this pub and that was her birthday evening <laughs> i don't know what happened afterwards oh good lord but they just had a nice a nice chatty time Oh, good. Because they all got along with each other because they all got along with her. Awkward. It's kind of reverse old Mormonism. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Let's all just judge each other in a big circle. (laughs) And then go home with many members of the opposite gender. Um, So, yeah, I've heard now, I do want to say that I've heard some really great relationships that got together on 
I mean, I've met some people who've got great relationships going, so I know it can be done. But yeah. as to how to do it, I actually don't. Here's the thing. People used to, when I was one-on-one coaching and doing seminars and stuff, they would say a lot of the time, I really want to meet somebody. I know I have to go out into, then it was match.com and then other things started coming up as possible apps. Mm. And the thing was, I thought, you know what? I, the relationships I've seen that worked best didn't work by happenstance. And you were telling me a story about two of our friends. (laughs) Yeah, this is a lovely story. So, um, we have a very dear friend who lives in a remote place and um, she had been bemoaning to another friend of ours that um, that how am I ever going to meet my person because I live out in the middle of nowhere. And what our very wise other friend said to her, apparently, according to the mythology, is once you've – now I forget exactly how to say this, money, but it's like once you've cleared out all your baggage or you're in a kind of shit and you're clear on – your life, what you're looking for, and you've embraced, we could say embraced your true nature, yeah. right? Once yeah. you've embraced your true nature, you could be sitting by yourself at the top of a mountain with a paper bag on your head and he could find you. Yep. And and he did. And he did. He absolutely <laughs> did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I should, there are many magical stories to mm. tell about that, but those are for, not for us to tell. That's for no. the, the two of them to tell. And I have to say, Marty, that is kind of our experience. Like, so oh, for yeah. me, after doing, oh, my God, this online dating. Oh, my God. I oh, really, You know what? I we should do one episode of the podcast where I can just tell stories about the first dates that I went on in I'm Melbourne. I'm not sure my heart could take it. I would have to be on nitrous oxide or something just to <laughs> listen to because you are not a person that I would throw out into the, the maelstrom of public it, social it, media dating. It didn't, not social media, sweetheart, just online dating. Ah, I guess I'm always getting them mixed up. Just when I think I know what online means <laughs> and social media means, they just switch it up on me. It's she just Siri. uses all these terms interchangeably. It's Siri. Either that or Mercury is in retrograde, or as I feel as we were saying today, trying to set up this podcast, Earth is in retrograde. Earth is in retrograde. Forget <laughs> it. It's over. So yeah, so it was horrible for you. Go on. So then I cleared out a lot of my inner shit and I flew across to the other side of the world and um, hung out in <laughs> literally in the middle of nowhere where there were like three other people and 17 bears. And <laughs> I found my people. Yeah. So there you go. It was we like- used to go for walks in the forest and the only footprints that looked human at all were bear footprints. And I don't mean <laughs> B-A-R-E, I mean B-E-A-R prints. <laughs> They look like little people prints, but only when they're young. <laughs> <laughs> when they're old, you think, that can't be a real foot. That's, that's, that's really a big. very big person. Anyway, yeah, those were the choices. 17 bears and uh, like almost no people. Almost no people. Boom. Boop. Anyway, I do want to say one thing to those of, of y'all who are out there um, looking for a match that I used to say to the folks, instead of trying to go on match.com, I'd say, okay, how, what are you trying to match? Which goes to your story about getting all your crap cleared out. And I'd say, if you don't know who you are in your truth, in your true nature, um, if you don't weed out everything that's been shoved on you by other people, so you don't know, you know, you're f- fulfilling other people's expectations, not your own. It's like you're going out and trying to find the mate to a pair of shoes where you've never seen the first shoe. Oh, wow. If you really get clarity about yourself, you know exactly what that shoe looks like. It's, it looks a certain way, and there are complementary aspects, so you're looking for something that reflects it that isn't exactly mm. identical. But you'll notice when something looks like a, like a match. And at my experience with coaching people, hundreds of people, is that, yeah, I could actually feel this when, as they started to get clarity, it was like they were surrounded by a clear membrane and it was very thick sometimes, like the clear plexiglass or something. Mm -hmm. And they'd come back. I was seeing people every week, usually at this time. And each week we'd work on stuff and each week the membrane would feel thinner. And then one day, oh my gosh, I remember one woman who had just done so much work and she came in. I I, I love this woman. And I thought, it's a soap bubble. It's going to pop. And she was not dating anyone. And she went on a trip for some reason with no, and made no particular effort, met someone she'd known in college. And now they're, they 
have been married like 20 years and have two amazing children. And she the soap bubble just got so thin that she finally saw who she was and the match showed up immediately. Yeah. And JP, I mean, as far as standing outside of a culture with dating, I think he absolutely is. Yeah. It's not a very good culture for him. He's, his true nature is rebelling. And the answer is to go deeper and deeper into your true nature. And you won't look like exactly like anyone who's in the culture, but there are a lot of us out there looking for our true natures and we like each other. And yeah. someone out there is going to like you. And if, it, and if it feels like crap, it's not the right thing. How's Put that? that on, the, meme that. <laughs> that is a meme. If it feels like crap, it's not the right thing. <laughs> Just, it's Brilliant. like, it's little one-liners like that. that, give, that you should write a relationship book. Right. Just I think I just did. If it feels like crap, it's not the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> thing and my- then the only thing it will say inside the book is just questions. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that my relationship with Siri is, is strangely titillating. No. It's Good okay, cut that. God spot. woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why do I keep trying with her? <laughs> why can't I quit you? Why can't I quit you, Siri? <laughs> it's funny because it's true that's that's a reference to a movie about gay cowboys right and we're talking about robot cowboys later and we're talking about robot assistants right now so there's like there's a whole meta level on which that okay i quit you was really brilliant so don't cut that scott don't cut it whatever you do we be tripping <laughs> okay so listen one of the other, I, I want to talk about everyone but the other person who replied to my question about what they're feeling bewildered about was a wonderful woman named morgan bolender and i don't know if i say that if i'm saying that right morgan it's bolender um she has a brilliant band she's a musician and um she has a band called the feelings parade which you should all check out and she is asking a really apropos kind of question which is about how do you ask for money to support your art um, and this also goes along with someone called Mary James who had said, um, how do I sell these paintings? So there's yeah. this kind of like making art, making money yeah. thing that I think is actually a really interesting bewildered kind of it's question. Right, it's right at the heart of the mm-hmm. question that all bewildered people are asking themselves, I think. Right. Because um, it is a world that isn't safe for the creative. I, could I throw in a little bit of my sociology professor stuff? I wish you would. I'm so sorry, but here we go. <laughs> you know, I always wanted to be an artist and I drew and drew and drew and, um, and always thought that's what I would do. So I was looking at how do you become an artist and make a living? And it, at that time it was like, I'd look back, not, I wasn't quite, I'm not quite that old, but I would look, look back at the previous decades and say, oh, I have to be a Jackson Pollock or I have to be an Andy Warhol who somehow can get millions of dollars for a picture of a can of soup. I'm not sure that's what I want. I don't know why they're able to get them, you know. And then I looked and I thought, okay, the reason paintings are so expensive is that the heyday of the fine arts during the Renaissance had patrons like funding people like um, Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and they were doing other Ninja Turtles. The, yeah, the Ninja Turtles as well. Who are the others? It doesn't matter. Raphael and Donatello. They all <laughs> had major sponsors, patrons. Um, so, yeah, in the sewers. So, and, and they fought crime. Yeah. Anyway. I'm just keeping it real, y'all. You know, I just, I like to keep it. She she goes high, I go low. <laughs> <laughs> to paraphrase Michelle Obama. But obviously, if something, t- if, if you can only get a picture of your beloved by hiring someone who has spent a hundred thousand hours learning to paint magnificently and capture a likeness and and then they have to sit for uh, you know however many hundreds of hours to get the likeness on and you get a painting that's going to be worth a lot of money and now it's like click 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 look at the 90 selfies i took of myself so the reason for things being so expensive in the art in that particular art and it maps to other things too like it used to be that you had to pay musicians to come to your house did you know that one of the most expensive things in the netherlands during the 14th century no 15th century people would buy the they would find these little nests of eggs i can't remember which songbird it was maybe a finch anyway they would hatch out these finch babies and from the moment they were born they would whistle over and over again the lines of a current catchy tune 
What? And the bird would grow up singing that and only that. And it would take forever to train them. And then you could sell this bird that would sing one song to people in the background while they were doing whatever they were doing. That's what it took to record music. I have so many questions and so much to say about this that I just don't even know where to start. It is an interesting thing, is it not? I'm just so glad you didn't embarrass yourself by thinking that that happened in the 14th century instead of the 15th century because that this would have been is, so awkward for you. As our beloved Sam Farenbeck says, this is a circus situation. <laughs> yeah, it's a circus situation. Um, but yeah, so there were, the, the, and now you can get music free everywhere, you know, tons of it. So how do you make money doing these things that used to be really well supported by patrons and now they aren't and the difference is that by the same technologies that make it make it easy to make a thousand images and a thousand songs a day you can use that to market because if you go to an even earlier part of human reality we were hunter-gatherers right we gathered two things this i know i've hung out with people you go out for a walk, go out for a walk on the beach, go out for a walk in the woods, and you will find yourself drawn to two things, things that are useful, like a good stick or a really good rock. I don't know if other people feel as drawn to good sticks as I do, but all children do. They always pick up a good stick. Everyone wants a good stick. Yeah, and, and like good rocks as well, smooth, usable rocks. Yeah, although but they also- always look better when they're wet. When they dry, you're like, oh, that's just gravel. You have to to spend your whole young life licking Licking rocks to make them look prettier. Does everyone know the feeling of putting a pebble in your mouth? Because that just came back to me so strongly. Yeah, they used to It's been too long since I've put a pebble in my mouth. Yeah, it was last week. (laughs) (laughs) And it was more of a boulder, really. (laughs) Just just licking the road. (laughs) (laughs) It looks prettier. <laughs> but um oh and the other thing so useful things and then the other is beautiful things and no matter where you go in the world i mean look up the omo people of ethiopia online and look at the way they decorate themselves their bodies with plants and and colored earth i mean these are the most brilliant like haute couture designers on earth mm. the omo people look them up um and it's pure creative expressive joy beautiful, strange, amazing things. So humans want things that are useful and they want things that are beautiful. So if you have something that's beautiful, really beautiful, and there are a million, there may not be one person who will pay you a million dollars for it, but there may be a million people who will pay you one dollar for it. I just want to, a a ways back um, before you were in in full throat there, you said something that I want to push back on, which Mm. is you said, you, it's very easy to make a lot of images or a lot of songs. Oh, yeah. And I don't true. think that's true. What I meant was it's easy to download a lot of songs. You can right, get right. But from the artist's access. perspective, it still takes as long. Oh, it, it's it's so what we're talking about is is reproduction, not yes. creation. So that that's oh the God. that's the the contrast between what you were saying about the Renaissance and all of that yeah. through to. I mean, um, how many yeah. hours have I spent on the painting? Oh, my is- God. Well, actually, it's, this is, it's so relevant to us. Like, it's why I, I really picked up Morgan's question because, you know, Marty's an incredible painter for those who don't know. She is just an absolutely Aww. gobsmacking artist and she often appears um, live, appears live um, in places in our house. <laughs> <laughs> you're dead in our house it must be said but occasionally i appear live (laughs) and um she has her paintings behind her a lot of the time and people are always like oh how do we get it how do we get it how do we get it anyone who's seen the cover of diana herself um will have a sense of just how incredible marty's paintings are and we are engaged in this long long quest to try and figure out how to get them get reproductions that are good enough for for us to let people have them. The cover of Diana herself is not as pretty as a painting. No, the not painting is, is incredible. But, yeah, I really think about this. And I even, you know, when I, I also have complexes about asking people for tons of money. So um, when I was starting my career, I was like, I don't feel comfortable asking for huge amounts of salary. But if I wrote a book and 100,000 people really, really liked it and they gave, I got a dollar a piece for that, I'd be doing okay. So I've always thought this way. And um, and it's an interesting time to live then um, because there is that 
that opportunity where there hasn't been in the past. You know, I used to work in uh, an academic library, so it's it's uh, a lot of um, digital, you know, the digitization of so many things. And, and I was talking to Marty when we were um, planning this podcast about how, you know, the mentality of the library has changed so much because traditionally it's it's a con- literally conservative role where you you are there to conserve the the sacred knowledge and there is one thing this book is the thing and just let me insert that books were the most precious thing in Europe during the middle ages because they took so long and it was i mean one book was worth a thousand paintings right and now i have right and so that's the tradition through which um yeah. this this has come and and then all of a sudden in the space of a couple of decades you've now got a situation where the knowledge can be accessed from anywhere by as many people as you want at once for no money or tiny amounts of money and it it's just it's an entirely revolutionary perspective and um my old boss used to talk at the library used to talk about um the schmoo which i think is like a 1950s cartoon thing where you can look i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go into what i think it is because it's kind of gross but it It um, is she told me it's gross yeah and i don't don't worry about it or google it or let's just pretend i never mentioned it but it's the it's the (laughs) (laughs) it's gross it's the um the gift that keeps on giving you know you can it's it's infinite it gives infinitely of itself and that's this abundance culture sort of notion that libraries have but we also um, as artists, there's also the same thing. You don't have to go into a room and play your song. You play your song in a room and it can then be played in huge numbers of rooms. And, you know, so and, and one solution to that is really like quite interestingly um, based, it seems to me, on that sort of patron Ninja Turtles hmm. idea, which is Patreon, you know. Right, right. So you, it's, it's literally being a patron mm-hmm. and, you know, Morgan and the Feelings Parade have that set up I'm a patron of them which costs me very little month to month but it, it's right. a way that they can be making their music and putting it out there a and dollar from a million people exactly and Seth Godin in um, Tribes actually says and he, he's thought about it a lot um, that if you just have a thousand people who like your work you can get by you know you may not yeah. be the wealthiest artist on earth but you can get by I want to say something about that you said that abundance mentality Mm. i was just reading about the maslow's hierarchy where you start out with needing food and shelter and at the very top is artistic expression and spiritual development and everything and it it turns out there are two ways to go about that one is from a sense of deficiency so if you're going out as an artist going i need i need i need that will create a certain like energy that people will pick up and the opposite of that is to express yourself as growth so i'm going to do this because for the love of it for the love of it for the love of it and weirdly that energy and i've done it both ways trust me i've tried it both ways and i've failed a lot more often than i've succeeded but it's back to what we said to jp that true nature thing if Mm. it's bubbling over because you're it that's your soul that's your truth that's your beauty um I actually think you're going to have a better chance at getting that patronage. Yeah. Yeah. But it's an open question and we will check back. For sure. And I'll just, before we move on, I just want to say also that um, I believe, and I could, this could be a really sort of stupid belief to hold, but I think that if you're an artist, then you can apply the creativity that you use for your art to this problem. And, you know, and I think too many artists, um, they look down on the money-making stuff, but if you're not looking at asking people for huge amounts of money, it's easier to cut through all those thought processes yeah. that make that bad and turn it into an artistic endeavor. Yeah, and we're, we're, we designed this course that we're teaching. I'm delivering it right now online um, called Practical Wayfinding, and it, it's about taking that creativity that makes you such a great artist and saying how can I go into the capitalist system and patch mm. together a, a life that makes money? And that's how I've made my career. I, I have a very feeble body and I am not interested in what I'm not interested in. Yeah. And I've just patched it together. You know, I don't make millions of dollars from my books. I wish I did, but I don't. And I've just patched it together with, oh, coaching, oh, teaching, oh, online stuff. I love to teach. Let's do it online. So just keep giving yourself to your art but then bring your artistic mind to 
the noxious capitalist system and find a way to make beauty out of it and bring beauty to it. And you can find a way, I believe. And if you find yourself thinking thoughts like it's bad to ask for money for my art, just make sure you question that and say, am I sure that that's true? So as frequent listeners to this podcast will be aware, on Bewildered, we're all about moving from a state of bewilderment into a state of bewilderment, which is when you're in touch with your true nature. Culture be damned. Mm-hmm. Is that and, fair? Yeah, and culture doesn't like to be damned. <laughs> no. So we want to talk about a situation that happens a lot. We've already been touching on it throughout the podcast. Yeah. But it happens whenever a person brings out their true nature into the world in any form, whether it's their artistic expression or their gender identity yeah their way of talking or walking or dancing or singing or anything that runs even slightly outside the cultural lines they're gonna get some pushback and they're also gonna get this thing that we call it doesn't look like anything to me and we use this term in our household all the time as a kind of shorthand for this phenomenon which we actually pulled from a tv show that you guys might have seen really good um, remake of an old show. It's called Westworld. Yeah, it was. It was a series, an event series with some. It was amazing. Um, go, go binge watch it if you haven't. But in Westworld, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. This is the main premise. Robot West- cowboys. Robot cowboys. It's <laughs> it's a, an amusement park in the future where they have these incredibly lifelike robots, and these people create an amusement park that is meant to look like the American Southwest in the 19th century. And it's peopled by robots, incredibly realistic robots who are cowboys and bar owners and bad guys. <laughs> yeah, sheep wrestlers. Are, I, don't, I don't think sheep I wrestlers think were a big were thing. too many sheep harmed in the making of that. Horse wrestlers. There you go. And people can pay money to go in and they interact with the robots and have fights with the robots and have sex with the robots. It's all very, yeah, very saucy. So... But one thing the robots do is that they're programmed to react to anything that's outside of their designated worldview by saying it doesn't look like anything to me. So if they're shown, so the, the first example of this in the show, as I recall, is that they were, someone was shown a photograph of a city and, the, the, and it's outside of the programming of that robot. So the robot simply says, it doesn't look like anything to me. That doesn't look like anything to me. And that's the sort of refrain anytime they're confronted with a world outside of of the theme park. Yeah, which is often because people are coming from this future super high tech thing to interact with them and they bring their watches and their Mm. devices and whatever. And it doesn't matter because the robot sees that and says it doesn't look like anything to me. So yeah, and so that's what we that's how we sort of talk about not the phenomenon where the culture goes, that's stupid, I hate that. But when you you bring something of yourself out and what you just get is, oh, <laughs> you know, is that, right. a, is that a fair way of saying, oh, mm, yeah, okay. And and this has happened, you know, in, in its early versions, Rose Novel, which was brilliant from the beginning, I have to tell you. Um, but it's quite, it's got magical realism in it, which I love, but it goes from being like, completely normal to slightly, huh, to being, to weaving these webs of magic. Just that sort of, yeah. I mean, it's that sort of mythology coming into real life. I mean, it's not, it's not that original, but it's still, I think when some of my early readers read it, I got, you know, a couple of people were like, oh. (laughs) I thought this was just a story about a woman who wanted to date more. (laughs) (laughs) She wanted to do more online dating. She just loved that shit. (laughs) And yeah, but yes, yeah, so, and it was very, but it wasn't, I hate this. It was just like, maybe just not so much with the magic. Or they would say, I just don't get how that could happen. Yeah, yeah. Not really. <laughs> and it was really well written, you guys. It's not like it, it was hard to follow. Sorry. Rose <laughs> I'm giving her signals of like, she doesn't enough wish to be the... praised in public. Anyway, um, I so identified with this when she told me about it because I wrote a book. I don't know, 10 years ago, called Maybe. Finding Your Way in a Wild New World. And it was based on the premise. We talked on one of our other podcasts about closet mystics, people who are having mystical experiences for real mm. and don't dare talk about it because it's outside sort of the mainstream culture. Well, I had this theory 
based on a time, I kid you not, when I had a dream that my ancestors were visiting me in Africa and told this to some people who immediately ran to get me a shaman from their tribe. She wasn't from their tribe, but they found me a shaman because when you have that dream, you have to see a shaman. So I went, and she told me, you need to know the ancient wisdom of the shamans of old and all over the world and indigenous peoples, and you need to talk to the white people about it. So I wrote this book after five years of research where I talked about the fact that in every culture, ancient culture, all around the world, any historical period, there are at least three to five people, I talked about this in the other podcast, who were by nature very mystical, very artistic, very, um, they loved animals, nature, biomes, whatever. All of this just to say, I wrote that down and my um, publishers, I, my editor, who is a lovely person, nothing against her, it just it did. didn't look like anything to her. It did not look like anything. And I was so proud of my research and these chapters and I'd send them in and she, she literally wrote me back and said, "What? why don't you stop all this and write a book called How to Stop Doing All the Wrong Things? <laughs> I think she should write that book. I think she should. It's like it's a jewel waiting to be formed, but I don't have How the capacity. How to stop doing all the wrong things. But she was like, this doesn't mean anything. I don't understand. That's the thing is the robots aren't programmed to not see it. They're programmed not to assign meaning. Yes. To yeah, it. that's a really key point. And this stuff was it was not meaningful to her and it was scary. And I sort of we sort of shut down communication and I said, this is the book I want to write and pushed it out into the world. And there it was. So it's like it wasn't for her. And one of the I think maybe one place where our culture is really lagging behind our reality, just thinking back to Morgan's question about mm -hmm. money and art. Yeah. Is that we're still in an old media perspective in the culture, which is this has to appeal to everyone. Yeah. But with the ability to proliferate stuff, and this is what Seth Godin's book Tribes that Marty mentioned earlier is about too, is you can reach the people for whom it does look like something to them. Yes, yes. And that's what, <laughs> that's what Finding Your Way in a Wild New World did for me. Yeah, tell the story. So yeah. then, what, a year later, after I really, like – I, I basically left publishing with my head hung low, thinking I am a terrible person with, and a bad writer, and I shouldn't have even tried. Nobody's out there. Because no, the criticism sinks deep, and you're all yeah. alone writing that book. Yeah. So a year later, on the other side of the world. So, yeah, because then the book starts creeping out, and it's like a little underground movement, you know. I think your books are often like this. Um, They're creepy. <laughs> <laughs> And frequently underground, I bury them everywhere. <laughs> um, and it was creeping around, doing its creepy little thing, reaching the people Thank you so that it was much. written to. Yeah. And, um, and there I was, far, far, far away, Melbourne, Australia, and a friend of mine, I think, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this on this podcast before, but whatever, it bears repeating, handed me this book and said, you have to read this book, it's about you. And here we are. And here we are. And I had people write to me and say they sat down on the floor of the bookstore and opened the book and wept because it was about them. And it was by no means the majority of all people, but but they were out there. Yeah, and there's there's so many of them, even if they're a tiny proportion, that it starts to become meaningful. And I'm just saying that thinking back to Morgan. And, it and does. It really does. It starts to build. So, like, we were talking about some of the things that people hear that could just wither you if you're trying to be yourself, your true self out in the world, and they just, it doesn't look like anything to them. Yeah. So, it's like this particular phenomenon when it doesn't look like anything to them, and it's, diff it's a different kind of feedback um, that's not exactly criticism, it's you know, but it's, it is it's insidious. So blank. Yeah. So, so you hear things like, I don't get it. I just, I don't get it. I don't think it works. Know, Maybe it works. make it more like the secret or how to stop doing all the wrong things. <laughs> you know, that's, that's sometimes it's like, Oh, that's just shocking. You just, that's sinful. Yeah. How dare you say that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Or it's, it's stupid even. That's a really common one because people, they don't understand it. Yeah. So they think that it's, it's way below them instead of maybe being off to the side somewhere. Yeah. I will not say above. I will yeah. say off to the side. Exactly. So in that, instance we have to see the people who are coming from the cultures as basically robot cowboys um whose programming can't extend that far but the mistake that we make is when we 
think that the robot cowboy represents the people we're talking to, whether it's the people we want to date, the people we want to share our art with, any of that. They're just robot cowboys. I don't know how to say this any more clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to get Siri to say it more clearly and she will not. doesn't look like anything to her. Oh, my God, she is a robot. That's the problem in our relationship. <laughs> I am smiting my forehead at this moment. Anyway, yeah, um, it's so insidious. It hurts so much to not be seen. It's mm. almost worse. It's than, worse than being condemned. Yeah, because at least, you know, you've made a difference. When your right. best, most beautiful work just slides by and nobody says anything, it, it hurts a lot. Um, but as an out-of-the-closet mystic myself, mm. I believe we have... Um, uh, almost a metaphysical imperative to express our true nature. It's like that thing that Brene Brown says, do you remember about unexpressed creativity is not benign? Yeah. That's what you're saying. That's right. If you don't, if it doesn't, or it says in the apocryphal gospel of Thomas, if you bring forth what is within you, it will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, it will destroy you. Mm. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. So Marty, how do you know the difference between feedback that it's, it doesn't look like anything to them or feedback from someone who does get you but actually has good feedback? Because right. like the worst thing we could do is, is say no one will ever, you know, anyone who criticizes my work is a robot cowboy. No, it's all perfect. Everything I do is perfect. Right. Yeah. No. Um, that actually discourages children when you tell them that everything they do is perfect different podcast i thought you were gonna say it discourages children when you tell them that they're robot cowboys whereas i think if someone had told me that as a child it would have made my day (laughs) you mean all this mormon crap is just fake i really don't have to wear a sunbonnet on the 24th of july world google it utah world 24th of july sunbonnet google it um all right (laughs) so you you make a solid point Really? Thank you. And I've, I've studied this question from every angle over the years. And, and what I come back to is, does it feel true? Your true nature, the book mm. I just put out, The Way of Integrity, is about finding the truth and what it feels like to you. And what it feels like when you hear something true, I, I describe it as all four of your meaning-making systems lining up to say yes. Ooh. So, so yeah. it's your body, heart, mind, and spirit. They all say yes. Uh-huh. When they say yes to something. Now, just to show you the difference, like think of something you have to do every week, like taking out the garbage or going to a job you don't like and say in your mind the statement, the meaning of my life is to go to this job or I am meant to go to this job. And just notice how that feels in the body, body, heart, mind, spirit. And then say this sentence to yourself, I am meant to live in peace. And if you repeat that over and over in your head, you'll feel, this is the one statement where I've, I've tested it on people all around the world and everyone I've tested, including convicted murderers in prison, feels that as the truth. And I believe Yikes. it. They, they let themselves down a little bit then from their true purpose. Tiny bit. Yeah. Tiny bit. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe it's more peaceful in. Anyway. Prison. Another podcast with so many podcasts sprouting That's out of podcasts. really, really good, though. Like, I love the um, I'm Meant to Live in Peace. I just went all quiet because I was, like, going there. Yeah, it really me too. Nice. So it's I, a nice place to go. So how do you apply that to feedback? So somebody says, oh, this just doesn't work for me. Like, I'd really like to see something that's more like uh, Harry Potter. Like, if you're mm. going to go with magic, it's really for 12-year-olds or something. Mm-hmm. Um, take that and f- ask yourself first – what does it hurt like? Because it's going to hurt. Yeah. So when you get an infection in a wound, it hurts. You may have had an infected cut Mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah. Remember that feeling, that burning, throbbing, not good, very bad feeling. And then you put alcohol on it 
antiseptic and it stings like a mofo. But you know, after a few tries, after it's happened a few times, you know that sting is a healing sting. Sorry, I just had that memory of you with the tick on the boardwalk (laughs) on Fire Island running up and down the boardwalk. the time to tell that story. I'm so sorry, but it was so funny because she got a tick and we had to put tequila all over it. And it stung good. It hurt so good. Yeah, it did. We were with friends at Fire Island and Fire Island, if you've ever been there, has literally one street that goes the length of the island. And I went to get something at the store and then I got completely lost going home (laughs) as only I can do on one street. And there are lots of deer and you can come up and pet them. I was desperately walking up and down the street looking for where we were um, and getting increasingly sweaty and anxious. I happened to feel upon my neck a tiny tick, which is a deer tick, which is like... Lyme disease. So then I started texting. <laughs> help! Help! I'm lost and I have a tick. I have a tick. I have tick. I'm lost. Have tick. I'm lost. So they came out onto the street with a bottle of tequila and a pair of uh, tweezers. Tweezers. Uh, tequila was the only alcohol we had on hand. Yeah. And yeah, you y'all smote that tick for me with the alcohol and the tweezers, and it was a good sting. And it was a good sting. So yeah. it was really lucky that I brought this up because it was really Not on for point. The tick. No, not a good day for the tea. Anyway, so if it stings like antiseptic, you may want to sit with it and there's probably some gold in there. That's how I felt when I started taking art classes at Harvard. You know, I'd been trying on my own and taking high school art classes. Then I got one teacher who just took me apart the first day of class because he knew that I was somebody who did this. And I loved it. (laughs) It was like someone had given me a a machete to clear the jungle. It was Mm. delicious. And it stung. It happened a lot to me at Harvard, actually. Made it worth going there. So then once the sting, once you know how it hurts, sit with it and ask, like, look at each piece of it and say, does this feel true Mm. to me? Right. Not according to my friends, my family, anybody. And and don't listen too much to the answer from your mind because that's the least reliable mm-hmm. in this instance. Like, Good point. Like, for me, I've got to ask my body that question and feel like, does it feel like I'm meant to live in peace? Because my brain can always say, this is nonsense. My yeah. work is perfect. The brain is programmed to go with culture wherever she leads. So be careful with your brain box. But does it feel true does it resonate through my whole body does it make sense to my heart my soul and my body and then bring the mind in and say yeah that feedback was just it doesn't look like anything to me because that person it's out beyond their capacity and you'll feel that peace come in when you designate and i hope that's what you felt because we talked about that feedback when you got it and i was like it doesn't look like anything to this person yeah did it help no. What, what, the, I, what the, I said. Oh, what you... <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. It was completely useless. No, the feedback didn't help. Yeah. Um, because that's what we came to. It didn't look like anything to that person. Yeah. However, like I could have got different feedback on the same thing and it would have been... Helped you make it, it better. It would have helped, helped me make it a lot better. So, I, you know... It would ring true. So just remember that your true nature is is always in action. And when you get feedback for your work... It will help you discern between the good and the bad. And if you try to change your self-expression for somebody who says it doesn't look like anything to me, you will be in the fog because they're not giving you anything. Yeah, You are just, be better for culture. Go forth. It's horrible. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's JP with dating and that's Morgan Absolutely. Um, putting her art out there. It's for ourselves just walking out into the world every day. Absolutely. So stick to your truth. Don't worry about the people who just can't see it. And stay, stay wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. For more of us, Martha's on Instagram, the Martha Beck. She's on Facebook, the Martha Beck, and she's on Twitter, Martha Beck. Her website is marthabeck.com. And me, I too am on Instagram, Rowan underscore Mangan. I'm on Facebook as Rowan Mangan, and I'm on Twitter as Rowan Mangan. 
Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think and the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to marthabeck.com and you'll find your way.